Welcome to another inspiring podcast from C3 New Hope. For more information about our church and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au. Well, it's good to be with you guys. Obviously, last week we started our series on city lights and uh, the key thought we spoke from Matthew chapter 5 um, that we are, you are, together we are the light of the world, that through Christ and what he's done for us, that we have this message, we have this opportunity to shine brightly into a community that is becoming increasingly dark. And we want to be a light that actually points people to Jesus, that just like John the Baptist lived his life, that we also have the same call to be able to make a way for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords to be known. And that is my hope that we will be a church, that yes, that we come and we come and worship, that yes, we come and find ourselves with a focus and a heartbeat on disciples that yes, we want to come and win the lost, but we also want to be in a place where we can shine his glory so brightly so that others can indeed see the true representation of who Jesus is. And uh, so we talked about that last week. We talked about also, and for those who were here last week, to make sure you stay off the Addy hash. And um, if you uh, weren't here last week, you would have no idea what that means, but certainly if you want to listen to the podcast, you can get more understanding there. But I want to be able to preach a message here this morning titled, Come and See. Come and see. If you're taking notes here today, you can title this "Come and See." I want to speak a um, a word that actually speaks into this idea of how we can share our faith, and it's actually less about a five-step model or a ten-step model on how to share your faith, but more about actually who we are and giving opportunities for people to be able to encounter Jesus. And uh, I want to read from John chapter one. If you've got your Bibles here this morning, John chapter 1, verses 35, we're going to start. This is actually the passage where Jesus calls his disciples. And it says, The following day, John, this is John the Baptist, was again standing with two of his disciples. And as Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, Look, there is the Lamb of God. Now, this is actually a really important statement that was being made during this time. People were waiting to be able to hear this cry, there is the Lamb of God. People were hanging on the edge of their seat if they were in churches or in the synagogues during this time. They were waiting to be able to hear this. There was a, there was a promised one coming. And John the Baptist during this time, he's declaring, he is the one. This is the Messiah. This is the one that you can be able to put your trust and your faith and your hope in. And he says, look, there is the Lamb of God. And when John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. You know, when I read this a number of months ago, probably a couple of years ago, this is actually where we got our first part of our vision, to follow Jesus, to make sure we understand who Jesus is, but then to be followers of Jesus. And this is the call we have as disciples, right? To be followers of Jesus, to make sure we are following him. And Jesus looked around and saw them following him and says, what do you want? He asked them. <laughs> Any parents out there ask your kids all the time, what do you want? This is not what Jesus is saying. He's actually asking a deeper question of them. Like, what, what is it that you're looking for? You know, you, you have been following John the Baptist. He was, a, he was a good guy. But now you've left him and come and follow me. What, what is it that you're actually looking for? He's actually asking issues of the heart. He's asking issues of, of their identity and shaping who they are. They replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And I love what Jesus says here. He says, come and see. Come and see. 
So it was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went to him to the place where he was staying and they remained with him for the rest of the day. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John said about following Jesus. And Andrew went to find his brother Simon. I'm praying that we get more and more Andrews in our church that will have this heartbeat of, hey, I've seen something. I now need to go get my friends. I need to get my mum. I need to get my dad. I need to get my brothers and sisters. I need to get my, my uni mates, my schoolmates. I need to find myself in a place where my, what I've seen is not just for me, but indeed for others around him. We see Andrew went and find, he had to find him. He went out. He didn't just, it wasn't convenient necessarily. He left where he was. He went and got his brother and he brought him back. I'm praying that we'll be a church like this that's stirred up because of what we know, who we've encountered, that we'll indeed have this same heartbeat where we go out and bring in the lost. Simon Peter and John told him this again, we have found the Messiah. Massive statements for the time. We read about it in the Bible right now, it's almost like second knowledge. This is huge during the time. We've found the Messiah, he says. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus and looked intently at Simon. I often wonder what that word intently would have been looking like. I used to have a teacher that taught me back when I was in like year seven, eight, nine, my junior years of high school. And I, I'm not too sure what was going on, but she had a smile that she could, could not get off her face. Um, like she was like permanently had a smile fixed to her face. And so when she got angry at you, you actually, it's really confusing because you're not too sure, is she, is she angry at me right now? Is she like, are you enjoying this a lot? Because you're still smiling at me, but yelling at me. I'm not too sure what's going on right now. But she had these eyes that looked intently into you. It's like her, her mouth wasn't necessarily about to give the true emotions of what's going on, but her eyes told the story, right? And I was like, I know that here when it says, looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, look at, uh, your name is Simon, son of John, but you'll be named Cephas, which means Peter. And what we see here is that after encountering Jesus, we see a shaping, we see a remodeling, we see a new identity being placed in Peter. Cephas, which was obviously meant blowing in the wind, Peter, which means rock. And we obviously know that the calling of Peter right now had ramifications for how the early church was actually built. That this moment was massive, it was huge. Next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. And he found Peter, sorry, he found Philip and said to him, come, follow me. Philip was, was from Bethsaida, Andrew, um, and Peter's hometown. Philip went to uh, look for Nathaniel. And look what's happening right now. So we see person after person after person after person being invited into the space of hearing or meeting Jesus. And told him, we have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. Each one of these people are declaring who Jesus is. They're not saying, look at me, I've found this wonderful new secret, it's fantastic. They're speaking to the magnitude and they're magnifying God in this moment. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. And I like Nathaniel. Nazareth? Can anything good come from Nazareth? <laughs> it's like saying, Victoria? Can anything good come from Victoria? <laughs> I was going to say Queensland, but I thought, and we've got our Townsville campus. We've got to be kind to the, uh, to the, to the Queenslanders. Uh, except for when it's origin time, they're all bets are off then. Right? We can definitely say that. Can anything good come from Nazareth? And I love what Philip says. Notice that Jesus says it first, and others start saying this now. It says, come and see for yourself. Come and see for yourself. My hope and my prayer is that we will be a church that 
has and echoes this kind of same kind of message. Come and see. Come and see. Probably about at least two years ago, we had a young guy come to our church and um, a good way to be able to describe where he was at, he, was, he had lots of questions about God. He had a lot of questions about church. He'd been raised in a church and, and had experiences within the church that probably left him with more questions than answers. Anyone ever been there before? It's okay to be honest. <laughs> I actually think that most of us have moments where we have questions. And so I remember seeing him right at the back of the, of, of the pillars there. I'd seen him come along a few times and um, I've actually been praying for more of the, the questions about coming to us because I actually believe people are searching. And sometimes we're scared off by the questions, but we need to understand that people are actually searching. And sometimes this is why people start diving into all the different kinds of um, spiritual witchcraft and spiritual mediums and and sometimes people are searching in relationships and and for substances and so forth. But I believe people are searching for meaning. I believe people are searching for, um, (coughs) for purpose and understanding of what's trying to make sense of the world today. And uh, this young guy came through, and um, he's here this morning, so I'm not going to embarrass him necessarily. But um, he came here this morning. He came um, asking all these questions, and probably a fair way of saying it that he probably had um, a bit sceptical about the whole thing. In all honesty, and again, I think that we are in a community say that has many, many, many questions. And here's why I thought. Here's what I said to him. I said, um, "Young man, I'll, I'll call him." Um, we had a, a time where I could come and be able to answer your questions to the best of my ability. And church, I think it's really important that we do have answers. We don't just put our head in the sand and hope for the best. We actually got to find ourselves digging deep. This is why it's important to have deep wells that we can draw from. However, I actually said to him, more than just trying to give him an answer that will satisfy up here, I want you to encounter something here. So I gave him the six-week challenge. And it's not a boot camp, it's not a go and go to fitness first for six weeks and or try and cleanse your life out. It was actually a six-week challenge. I said, hey, if you can come here for six weeks, if you can come and join me, if you can come and be able to find yourself being open-minded to perhaps what we're doing right now, which I believe he was, and history's proven that he was, then why don't you come along and I'm praying that more than just head knowledge that you'll encounter something here today. So I said, come and see. Come check it out. Come and hang. And uh, we met for coffee a few times in that time as well, and we had a chance to be able to catch up and answer some of those questions. But I love it that that six weeks became two plus years now of people coming, receiving Jesus. He's been baptised. He's now serving. He's about to be married in our church. I'm going to be marrying him in a few weeks' time, and I'm not looking at him right now, but I wish I could. And um, you know, there is a there is a joy, and I'm praying that we'll have many, 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 many more people, perhaps, who come in with questions to be an unknown of like, what's it, how's it all work? I'm not too sure how it's going on. But we have a place where we have a come and see approach. Come and encounter him. Because whatever I can say to you right now, yes, that can help, but certainly nothing comes close to being able to encounter the presence of God. And I'll never forget, it wasn't even after six weeks, it was probably seven, eight, nine weeks later that there was an altar call moment and we gave the opportunity for people to receive Christ. And I'll still remember he was, wearing a, he was wearing a red shirt and he put his hand up and he received Jesus as his Lord and Saviour. Church... My prayer, my hope is that we'll have this come and a see approach. That yes, we have an approach where we want to be able to help people with answers. 
but more than that, that they can encounter. I'm praying this will be a living church that brings life through his word, through who we are, that we can shine his light brightly. Um, I want to remind us here today that we are, it's not our job to save people. (laughs) Sometimes we have a bit of a Messiah complex of, it's my job to save people. It's not. 1 Corinthians 3 verses, um, it talks about this idea of our job is to, to plant, to water, but who brings the increase? God brings the increase. We, even if we wanted to or could, sorry, even if we wanted to or tried to, we can't. We're, we're fallen people. We're sinful. We're broken. It's only the one who is whole, the unblemished lamb, that can be the sacrifice for us to be and find ourselves back into that restored relationship. It's only God that can help us and find those ways where we can be made into the righteousness of who he is. We need God. This is why the people of the time during the Palm Sunday, they were crying out, Hosanna, because they recognised they needed a saviour to save them from their sins. You know, one of the most important things to understand about saving is that first we need to understand that we need the saving. Has anyone ever been in a, in a rip in the beach and they find themselves in times and places where they think, I should really put my hand up right now because I'm in a wet of pain right now. They think, no, no, I'm just going to put my hand down because it's a bit embarrassing. You keep your hand down long enough, you find yourself floating out further and further away or into more trouble. But when you put up your hands, you recognise, I need the saving. Church, let's never forget the fact that we needed a saviour. And because of who he is, because of the invitation that we received, because of the opportunity that we now had to respond to that, we now have this eternal hope of being reunited with our Father in heaven because of what he has done. So it's not our job to try and save people. It's our job to try and represent, to be a witness, to be the ambassador that he's called us to be. And I love the fact that God probably recognising that hey, if I left this only up to you, there'd be a lot of strife. Um, He actually gives us a helper. And his name is the Holy Spirit. And I love Acts chapter 1, where it says these words. It says, this is the the ascension of Jesus. It says, so when the apostles came, so we're with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has all the authority to set those dates and times. And they are not for you to know. Can I remind us here today that he's coming back? That Jesus is coming back. He's coming back. (laughs) We're actually going to do a bit of a a mini-series later in the year. And I'm not calling it the end times because I know how much the Revelation uh, uh, YouTubers out there go loving it. Like, fantastic. I'm actually going to call it the second coming. We need to remind of the fact that this time here on earth is temporal. It comes and it goes. And it's like the greatest love story when Jesus is sent back to the earth to redeem us again. And we're reminded of this here today. But here's the thing. We've got no idea really where it's going to take place. But I can tell you one thing for sure. Today, we are closer than yesterday. Pretty profound, right? This guy is good. He's really good. The second thing is, we should be ready. Be ready. Be ready. It's not to be scared. In fact, when you are ready, it's the greatest joy you can ever know. 
We live in a world where when we think about end times, we think, oh, is it going to be okay? Am I going to be all right? No. If you're ready, it's okay. You've got nothing to fear. It's the greatest news you can possibly have, actually. So when we're ready, when we're giving our lives to Christ, when we have this, this, this eternal understanding that God loves us, He came for us, He saved us and redeemed us, it's the greatest thing we can ever know. Nothing to be scared of at all. And so I can't wait to bring that series later on in the year. But then it says, but you, you, everyone here, as long as you understand that Jesus loves you and you've given your life to Christ, it says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then it says, you'll be my witnesses. Can I get a witness, Jesus says. You'll be my witnesses telling people throughout everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout all of Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. Let's contextualise that. Throughout Narellan, throughout Oran Park, throughout Mananan, throughout the ends of the earth, throughout Liverpool, throughout Bankstown, throughout Bondi, <laughs> everywhere. We've been called to be his witness throughout all the world. Throughout all the world. So he's given us this help. He's given us this power to be able to see people, have those seeds planted, to be able to water that plant. Let's go to um, Acts chapter 17 now. And as we head there, um, we see the story of Paul. <coughs> and he is in a place where, thanks, darling. You're on the ball. On the ball. It's like, oh, it's lovely. It's lovely. We see that Paul is entering Athens, and he's coming from to Athens because he was in a place called Thess- Thessalonica, and he has been preaching the word of God, and he's been preaching the good news, he's been preaching the gospel, and that has been upsetting some of the religious blokes and probably blokes of the time. And a bit like how these religious guys were a bit. Um, not too much of a fan of Jesus at the time, he's got that same kind of feeling towards Paul during this time. And so they said, well, we need to, we need to basically shut him up. We need to be able to find ourselves you know, getting rid of this, sort of, uh, this gospel he keeps on preaching. And so what they do is they send some men to try and rough him up and try and find himself in a place where um, he gets a bit scared and, and roughed up. And so um, Paul finds out about this and he finds himself leaving Thessalonica and going to, um, to, to Athens during this time. And um, Athens is a bit of a unique kind of place, and it's a, a place where, where Paul actually finds himself in an opportunity that whilst on the run, he actually spends a number of months here where he gets a chance to be able to basically bring the good news of the gospel to the people of Athens. Um, but this is a new kind of language, it's a new kind of story, a new kind of message that gets, gets promoted during this time. And so Paul um, finds himself... There, waiting for Silas and Timothy, um, which were two of his um, uh, got students, I guess, people who were following Paul around the place. And we pick it up from verse 16, where it says, so, when Paul, so while Paul was waiting for them, that's Silas and Timothy, in Athens, it says that he was greatly distressed to see the city was full of idols. You know, when it comes to this thought of how do I share my faith, how do I find myself being able to promote the gospel? How do we be the light of the world? I think there's very few more important starting points than find ourselves being distressed by what we see in the world. Yeah. 
It says here that Paul was distressed about the idols that he saw in the place. In other words, there was a worship not unto a God to other things. And in our world, we find ourselves very much the same kind of thing taking place. And I wonder how distressed we actually do get about what's taking place in the world today. Not distressed to the point of I'm in fear about everything, but distressed in I know there's a better way. I know there's a message of Jesus that can actually set people free. I know there's a hope that I can actually find myself in a position where I can speak. And this is what Paul does. He starts to take this place of being distressed to actually then be the very catalyst of the message that he wants to be able to send. My hope and my prayer is that we'll be a church that is on the increase when it comes to being distressed about what's happening in the world. We think about our family, our friends, who we hang out with, who we go to school with, who we go to university, who we work with, that we'll find ourselves with a place where we are distressed about those who are outside of the kingdom of God. Look at what Jesus says in some of the parables about the lost. He speaks about the lost coin, the lost son, the lost sheep. And what was Jesus' approach? That he'd actually leave the 99 in order to go out and find the one. This is the position, this is the, this is the compassion, this is the, the, the sense of calling that Jesus had in order to be able to find and reach the lost. And my prayer is that we will be a church that increasingly finds ourselves being distressed or having this compassion for those who are outside of the kingdom of God to come into the kingdom of God. I'll never forget the very first day I found myself working here. I used to be a teacher back in the, it feels like a long time ago I used to do that. Um, but I started working here and um, I got a phone call from my good friend Joel Pierce. And uh, stand up everyone, stand, stand, up, stand up Joel quickly. This is Joel, this is the, uh, he's a good man. He follows Manly Sea Eagles, so he's a, he's a great guy. Um, I used to teach Joel actually back in the day and most of you guys will know that he was a bit of a turkey, bit of a bit of a punk. And um, I, I, I loved him though. Like if, Teachers say they don't have their favourites, but they do. And, um, you know, Joel was definitely a favourite of mine and I loved him with all my heart. And I remember getting a phone call from him um, one day and saying, hey, Dan, I'm in, I'm in a bit of a lot of pain right now. There's some stuff going on my will. It's like, it's, it's pretty gnarly. There was, there was spiritual attacks that he was encountering. And he was probably, probably fair to say, he weren't necessarily walking with the Lord at that particular time. And, um, but he said, like, there's stuff going on my world right now that it's like, it's mind-boggling. Now, Joel, he can tell his story later on, but he's doing a few things that probably shouldn't have been and uh, found himself with a few open doors and basically there was a need for God to come and intervene in his life. And I remember getting that phone call. I'm not so sure if it was actually Joel or his mum at the time, but I got this phone call and I, I just instantaneously had this compassion. I had this, this sense of, I, 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 I can't settle for what he's going through right now. There was a distressed nature, a distressed kind of uh, response that I had. And it led me to a place where I said, hey, come, let's, let's come and see, let's come and meet together, let's come and pray together, let's come and unpack what's going on right now, let's come and hear what God can do in your world, and let's open ourselves opportunity to the power of God. And again, long story short, Joel's now here in a place where he got healed, he's been set free, he's now walking with the Lord, and we give God all the glory for that. But start with a place of, hey, we've got to find out ourselves distressed for what's going on in the world today. Not just put our head in the sand and just to, to do our own little thing. Okay, this is the danger of, I guess, the Western church, that things become so comfortable 
that we just, you know, run in our own little lane. I want to stir us up here today that there is a world out there hurting that with the message of Jesus, we can be the, this is the ministry of reconciliation that, that is spoken about in 2 Corinthians. That we can be a part of that new story there. So Paul was distressed. So he, we see in verse 7, so he reasoned in the synagogue with both the Jews and the God-fearing Greeks, that was the Gentiles, as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. I love that that those who happen to be there. So much of just living your life where you can shine his glory is actually about just, it's, it's, a, it's more that spur of the moment thing. It's not intentional. Okay, today I'm going to love the Lord and I am going to make sure I love the Lord with this person over here. No, it's just that wherever you go, wherever you might find yourself, there should be very little difference between what we see on a Sunday and what we see in the marketplace. That's the challenge. I said, said with our teams, there should be very little difference between what you see on stage and what you see in person. We should find ourselves in places where we actually are, uh, take, make the most of every opportunity of whoever happened to be there. But notice here that he's in the synagogue and the marketplace. Notice here he was in the temple and where people were living and, and operating. My hope is that we will be a people and a church that indeed reaches people here in this building but equally out there as well and find ourselves in places where we can shine God's glory. Um, verse 18 says, a group of um, Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate this with him. And some of them are asking, what is this babbler trying to say? <laughs> Don't be afraid of the fact that when we start speaking a different kind of language, people might not necessarily understand straight away little reminder, we should be having a different kind of language to the rest of the world today. We should have a message where we speak hope, we speak love, we speak compassion, we speak the name of Jesus. But equally, let's be a church that doesn't find ourselves being so consumed by the Christian needs of the world as well. I'll never forget being at a, um, I must have been 19 or 20, and I was at a, I was at university, and I was a part of a Christian ministry group at university. And uh, I might have been led up to Easter or something like that. We found ourselves in a place where uh, we were encouraged to go and invite three or four friends to a, a, a table to have food and lunch, and that there would be this person who would represent uh, the, the college, the university ministry group, and they would be the ones sort of tasked with the responsibility of being able to share the gospel and share the message of God. And when I look back on it now, I can see all the flaws with it. <laughs> but at the time, I thought, that's a great idea. And so I invited three or four of my best friends, um, and none of them have I had any kind of church background, church experience, and uh, they came along and I sort of bribed them with free food and so forth, and so I paid for their, for their lunch and um, did all of that. And I'll never forget, it came to the time when they started sharing and speaking about who Jesus was, and, and lots of it was good, but the guy who was speaking had so much Christianese about how he was speaking. I, I grew up in the church, and I was un, not really unsure what was even being spoken about and, and preached about. And so these guys, it was, it was like he was speaking in a completely different language to what they were trying to say. And it went straight over their heads. You know, when I speak to my daughter, I speak to her differently to how I speak to Ali. We've got to make sure that our, our language is actually helping people and point people to Jesus, not confusing them more. Um, 
I'll never forget one question I was asked at the table and I was like dying a thousand deaths because the guy kept on talking about the blood of the lamb, blood of the lamb, blood of the lamb. And the guys were like, what's happened to this poor lamb? Why am I being covered by the, by the, by the blood of the time? They're, they're very real questions. We've got to help people and find ourselves not getting caught up in the Christian knees. Especially if we've been part of the church for a long period of time. Sometimes it just becomes something that's by default. That's when we be reminded of who we're speaking to. But there was a question. There was, there was an unsure nature of how this had been responded to. And then others remarked, he seems to be advocating for other gods. They said this because um, Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Okay, oh, we're getting somewhere now. Verse 19, they looked to him and brought him to a meeting place of um, Areopagus. This, this was actually a huge rock of the time. If you, were, still, if you go to, to, um, to um, Jerusalem now, you'd act, um, sorry, Athens now, you actually will find this, this rock still exists. Um, and this rock was a place that was known where people would either, it's like a judgment place, where people were either trialed or they would come and be able to speak about different religions. And this place is where they said to him, may we know more about this new teaching that is that you are presenting. So here we see a man of passion that Paul clearly was. He goes from a place of having not necessarily much understanding, a whole new concept, to now they're actually asking questions of, hey, this thing you're talking about, I'd like to know a bit more. Yeah. And this is where I want to encourage us, this idea of come and see. We don't have to feel like a sense of, we, we, we see the person saved in the very first time we ever meet someone. It can happen that way. We give God all the glory when that happens. But this relational approach of being able to say, hey, come with me. Come with me. What happens is over time, people start to understand there's a, new, there's, a, there's a permission that gets given. It says, you are bringing some strange ideas to our ideas. That's right, our ears. I like that, strange ideas. And we would like to know what they mean. Again, there's questions. There's, hey, there's... there's I'm pretty sure what you're saying makes some, some kind of sense, but there's a few dots that need to be lined up here. And all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest of ideas. Paul then stood up in the meeting and said, People of Athens, I see that in every way that you are religious. And I kind of see this as being a, a moment where Paul's saying, almost a point of a commonality, a point of like finding the, the similar points. I can see that you're religious. I can see that you're spiritual. And guess what? So am I. You happen to believe in this, but I believe in this. Let me talk to you a bit more about this. Sometimes when we want to try and win the, win the lost, find ourselves at points of commonality that we can share and bring them on the journey with. And over the next few verses, Paul has a chance to be able to outline the gospel and the resurrection and the redemption that, that God gives us. And we see this particular, um, this particular set of verses land in verse 32, where it says, when they heard about the resurrection of the dead, it says some sneered, others said, we want to hear you again, and then some of the people became followers of Paul, and they believed. You know, when we have the message of come and see, there's three options that will take place. Some will sneer, and potentially reject. There'll be some that want to know more. We, we, we have the responsibility to remain present. But our prayer is that each three of those options will then lean in this last option of, and then some believed. Yeah. And some believed. I want to close with 
our, our, our key theme for the um, verse for this um, for this series, and it's again in Matthew five, verses fourteen to sixteen. It declares that we are the light of the world. You are the light of the world, church. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Let's be his light. Thanks, guys. hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information about C3 New Hope and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au.